Indiana Senator Mike Braun has been a reliable and vocal ally to President Trump through his 18 months in office since defeating incumbent Democrat Senator Joe Donnelly. But it hasn't always been easy. On rare occasions, when he does voice ideas that seem contrary to the parting line, he's taken a verbal beating for it. That and other things on the mind of Senator Mike Braun is our topic today. Welcome to this episode of the Tuesday Talk Podcast. I'm Max Jones, editor of the Tribune Star in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each episode of Tuesday Talk focuses on topics of community interest and features interviews with those closest to them. Our guest today is Indiana Senator Mike Braun, who visited Terre Haute last week while on a swing through his home state while Congress is in recess. Content editor Mark Fitton spent a few minutes with Senator Braun during his stop at Indiana State University. Here is that interview. Senator, what brought you to town today? Well, we finally are back to where we can uh, visit Hoosiers. Uh, I did all 92 counties last year by, I think, mid-October, and life has been different in uh, 2020, so we got off to a little bit of that before uh, the coronavirus, and uh, with the restrictions on just anything, uh, we... uh, weren't able to really get back into motion until now. So we get 16 weeks of when we're in recess. And uh, when I'm in recess, I use that opportunity to travel the state. So this is the uh, first time out uh, in a good while. Okay. Uh, what did you do while you are in town today? I saw uh, con- uh, on the Congress. We were down uh, at uh, TV2 on the mm-hmm. way up in Farmersburg. And... Uh, had some odds and ends at home before I left, mm-hmm. and uh, we are heading over to Indianapolis uh, after we're done here in Terre Haute. But uh, I try to, in some places still are, depending on uh, how much they're uh, allowing interaction, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like it was yet before. And I think we're in the extended phase of uh, uh, until July 17th, but mostly. We're able to get back out and do it uh, and trying to find the places that are uh, you know, back up and operating. So small meetings today? Yeah, basically. Okay. Obviously, what's been on a lot of people's mind lately, and us being a university town, some of the unrest, yep. calls for police reforms. You just took care of that uh, business with your uh, limited immunity legislation. Yep. Caught some heat from some of... Yeah, well, it because, might be considered your own people in a way. Sure, and uh, you know I uh, hated that in the sense that uh, all that information was kind of put out there without checking with us first to see if that was true. I mean, when you're making statements like occurred uh, there, uh, I wish they had uh, checked with us first, and I don't think so. And Mr. Carlson, you mean? Yeah, and took uh, a snippet out of an interview I did, and I do interviews all the time. Uh, where I clearly made the point in the context of that minute, which was part of maybe a 15-minute interview that sure. day, that I uh, said any uh, body should have the ability to exercise his or her First Amendment rights. Uh, black lives matter. All lives matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as you do it peacefully mm-hmm. and you don't um, go beyond that. And that wasn't really 
used uh, because they took a snippet that made it appear that I was a supporter of uh, the radical organization that's associated with the movement, which uh, that would have been simple. I would have categorically said, I am not. And uh, what we're seeing impacting law enforcement with rioting and looting and tearing statues down and all of that stuff, I mean, it's got the country to me in a boiling point and I was just disappointed that uh, first my record speaks for itself mm -hmm. uh, and across the board it's been one and I think represents Hoosiers well that respects institutions uh, based upon individual liberty private enterprise and all the things I've done uh, through deeds and action over the years I was just disappointed that it was done in this fashion and uh, there could be nothing further from the truth. So. Isn't it kind of shocking and maybe it's a sign of today's discord but you're not exactly known as a a, a fire-eyed no. far anything. You're a you're common a sense individual that came from the business world and tries to be a problem solver. Right and to be you got portrayed as all of a sudden you're a conservative gentleman I mean you've never said otherwise yeah and I got the record in a year and a half that puts me at the highest ranking in the U.S. Senate. Isn't it kind of shocking? Is it just today's environment that somebody felt the need to come at you with that perspective? It just seems out of it I think strange. I think that uh, a lot of it is out of frustration because mm -hmm. I know many that support me. Uh, the, that, and I got broad support. It wasn't from just the base of the party. It was, but I come from a very conservative, you know, place in Dubois County, and uh, have been outspoken on uh, the sanctity of life, on fiscal conservatism. And believe me, there aren't many that talk about that out in D.C. And yes, to where you take this and you clip it out of context, and then. You, uh, you know, make statements that, or at least for me, I'm going to be out there talking about all issues that are of importance. And sometimes there is going to be this dynamic you get caught up in. And I think it's sad because you're not going to have people even want to get out on the mm -hmm. edge to try to find solutions. And especially in this case where it was not true. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so you... And I'm going to paraphrase what you might think. I mean, I think you came, you thought you came forward with a, a reasonable bill. On, got, on, yes, tweaking qualified immunity. It yeah. was to try to actually prevent what is very likely to occur because the Democrats did not. There were 53 Republicans that voted for Tim Scott's bill, and I was a co-sponsor of it. Two Democrats voted for it, but they believe it's an election issue mm -hmm. that they can win with. And one of my disappointments is that, as Republicans, we sometimes don't get engaged in the conversation, and then we have legislation that we bemoan because we weren't part of what I believe is a legitimate discussion out there. And the qualified immunity bill was actually to try to establish a point of moderation and tweaking what many people think isn't working and we did not have time to talk to law enforcement. We did that after the fact. I knew that it, it took 10 to 12 years for the criminal justice reform bill to get done. Mm. So this isn't going to probably, this would be like the speed of light if something does get done this quickly. And uh, going forward, I've 
guaranteed law enforcement that I'll get their input if, in fact, it, we even have the opportunity to talk about it. Because if it gets put out there as a big election issue, uh, we may have to deal with the consequences if things go south for us in the election. So, right. And speaking, and I, I don't want to be impolite, but we've got the, the resurgence of the first wave of coronavirus. So yeah. We seem to be, Hoosiers have done fairly well, yeah. but we seem to be in a bad spot as a nation at the moment. Are you satisfied with the president's messaging and handling on the coronavirus? I think what he is um, signifying is that we've got to be able to do two things at once, uh, and that is to reopen the economy. And even though he may not indicate it in his own actions, he knows. That's why he's got experts, Dr. Fauci and others, uh, that are increasingly handling more of the administration's uh, point of view on the coronavirus. But independent of that, we've got to do both things. And I think that the places that shut down early uh, and you know did not respect the economic impact, they're going to deal with that on the recovery. And I think for places that uh, aren't respecting the disease, you know, they'll have setbacks on reopening their economy. So it's clearly something until we get a vaccination and or herd immunity that all of us are going to have to do things a little differently. But I don't think that means one size fits all approaches that the other side would do uh, and uh, to where we don't, uh, you know, categorically shut the economy d down while we're trying to fight the disease. Right. Yeah, the, the effect on employment's been... Yes. Frightening. And, you know, for uh, especially in light of the fact that we had the strongest economy in the decades I've been involved with it that we had leading up to, you know, when the coronavirus struck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, late February, early March. Right? Yeah. What's your, I mean, and, and I guess these kind of tie together. You come out with a bill, and as you acknowledge, you probably maybe should have talked to law enforcement yeah. more pre-publicizing it. And we will going forward, if in fact it's even brought, we have the chance to do it. Right. When we did not probably get a little more um, talkative, uh, we risked the chance that it escapes from the moment and that it gets in there as an election issue. And, you know, there's a real good chance that police reform won't be discussed until after the election. I guess that's the, the heart of my question. Having You just having been kind of a caught, caught in that weird yeah. moment. Yeah. Does the culture war or the, the inability of people to listen to each other, do you find that disturbing? I do, because um, we're never going to solve any of the key issues that... Uh, most people think are important and that are so disappointed with their elected officials, but it also reflects a little bit of how polarized we've become as a country uh, with one side wanting more government regardless of what it costs and another side that may be too slow to engage in the issues of the day and like the cost of health care mm -hmm. is the number one issue still there. I've been the most vocal senator about trying to do something about it. Uh, and that means taking on the industry to get them to be transparent. Transparency, 90% of all Americans believe that they should be able to see what something's going to cost them 
when they go to the health care. Mm-hmm. And I've got a bill out there to do it, and that probably won't get a hearing because of how strong the health care lobbies are. And that frustrates people as well. Are we at a unique moment in, 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 in almost, and I hate to use the phrase gridlock, it almost seems something different here. We are because we've gravitated for so long into looking to the federal government to do things. In my observation, they've not knocked it out of the park over the last several decades. Uh, state and local governments are going to have to take on maybe more responsibility for fixing some of these things at the grassroots level, mm-hmm. especially where you're more accountable to your uh, voter, your constituent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may take some paradigm changes like that to bring the discussion closer to home. The federal government uh, is financially in terrible shape to boot, and sadly most people look to them to uh, fix things Mm -hmm. when they very seldom come up with things that work, and we're borrowing uh, so much money to pay for what we do already. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. And yes, I'd be frustrated and disappointed uh, as a voter, a constituent, of uh, why are we at the place we're at. Is, and again, I, I, don't, I don't mean to make you a spokesman for President Trump, when the president kind of seems to almost cue in on these cultural differences and lean toward the propagating the base, does it make it tougher for you? Whether that is going to be the winning message uh, in the fall. All I can tell you is that President Trump was elected in 16 Mm -hmm. because he represented, he was the embodiment Mm -hmm. of someone different compared to what we had for decades before him. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you get involved in a government that's as ineffective and clumsy Mm -hmm. as what the federal government is anyway, uh, I don't know that there is an answer for what that right approach is. Uh, The economy is the most important issue to most people because everything feeds from it. And all I can say is uh, President Trump needs to be reelected for the most important reason because we had an economy that was working as well as it has for everyone. And the proof is in the data where wages at the lower end of the spectrum were finally moving and moving at a faster rate than it ever did before. And life is cruel sometimes and that it interrupts and now you got to sort through all this and hopefully the focus will get back on what was working before these cultural issues came in to interrupt because they seem to bring the worst out in us not the best, and I'm almost certain that we'll go back into a place we're not happy with if the other agenda takes hold, especially as it impacts the most important issue, which is a good economy that works for all. Do you have any sense, because I don't know if most people do, the polls would seem to indicate the GOP is in for a tough fall. On the other hand, Mr. Trump especially, has turned the polls on their heads before. Do you have any sense what we're going to see this November? I wish I did. I think it's going to be one that's as 
interesting to watch and as close to calm as what it was back in 16. But I just would advise voters to sift through the most important issues and uh, we're going to have to bridge these cultural differences at some point but uh, think about what was really working well that nobody was disputing other than just a few was the strength of the economy and I don't believe that can get back to where it was I think you would expect what you had before Trump and that wasn't great for America either because we were slowly being overregulated and uh, overtaxed with poor results coming from D.C. And President Trump has probably done more to weigh in on health care, which is the number one issue out there. And you know what happens every time he does? The health care lobbies take him to court. I was over at the White House last week uh, talking with uh, key individuals, with senators, about the transparency bill I've got out there, endorsed by the White House. And that is going to be the number one issue that we get back to. And then the number one issue that most people should have in mind is who do you think will better run the economy after we get through all these other distractions? I'm a good, Senator. I see Murray's getting uh, ready to yep. tell you you got to get on the road. Um, the transparency bill, I think, do you have any background on that you might be able to? Yeah, email? do you want us to, we can send you the Yeah, because uh, I think obviously you want to talk and about that. And for the that. time I'm in the Senate, I term limited myself to where I won't do it more than two terms anyway. I'm going to spend on the key issues, and even sometimes it gets you entangled. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, most people will know, and I'll clarify it if I'm confusing someone. That hasn't happened often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to try to be in the discussion because if we don't engage, uh, we'll be outmaneuvered. So I understand, and I, I apologize. I didn't have much time to. It's myself and two reporters today on the city desk. You're going you're to keep it to 12 years total, huh? Is yeah. Your plan? Yeah. Yep. I made that pledge, and I will not forget it. That doesn't mean I'll uh, not be engaging in some fashion uh, after I'm. Uh, done with the Senate, but uh, I'm going to uh, not be there more than 12 years, because I did, I, uh, like most, uh, they say they're going to do it, I mm-hmm. will do it. Right. Is it, that must be an institution that's even hard to think about leaving, isn't it? It is for many, because yeah. they get nestled in and like some of the trappings of being a senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I got went there because I was frustrated with business as usual. Mm-hmm. Probably the same reason they got President Trump elected. And uh, sometimes when you're going into an institution that you would like to see operate differently, mm-hmm. uh, you could could be frustrated by it. I won't be. Uh, having an organization that I ran from a little bitty company, mm-hmm. I mean a hard scrabble existence for many years into a national company that three of my four kids now run with a good at young executive team. I had a lot of practice for how you deal with uh, issues and complications over the years. So you're more interested in, in, in good management than you are the allure of being one of the hundred most? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Fascinating. Yeah, it's hard to... It's a very elite club. and It, it is. 
but I didn't go there for the uh, to be in, in an elite club. It right. was to make a difference, and I'm not going to sit back. Uh, and uh, I, I worked too hard to get there. I'm not going to make a career out of it, but I'm going to speak up on the issues I think are important and uh, learn from any lessons along the way on how you uh, do a better job at it. So at this moment, your number one priority is the health care transparency? Yes, and it's to lower the uh, cost of health care. And I've spent more time uh, on this issue, I think, than any other senator out there and with ideas that are in several bills, but that's all on the back burner because of all the other distractions that have occurred over the last year. And in your limited immunity bill, you've also now got, I guess, it didn't come out exactly the way you would have liked it, but you do have a tool on the shelf. It's a template if we get back to that issue. And for me, uh, I guaranteed uh, Indiana law enforcement that uh, uh, I'll uh, invite their input if it becomes a live issue again. Uh, I'm not pushing it any further because it's probably in the hands of the Democrats at this point. Special thanks to Mark Fitton for sharing this interview with Tuesday Talk and to Senator Mike Braun for sharing his views on these critical topics. Episodes of this podcast are published each Tuesday at Tribstar.com and wherever you get your podcasts. That concludes this episode of Tuesday Talk. See you soon. This is Max Jones, editor of the Tribune Star. Until next time.